This is In the Zone, your home for Salina Sports Talk. High school sports, Kansas Wesleyan and Bethany, KU, K-State, and Wichita State. Wait, is there anything these guys don't cover? You're in the zone. What's going on? Welcome into In the Zone on Sports Radio 1150 KSAL. 106.7 on your FM dial as well. I am Jackson Schneider, and I am your host flying solo today. James is feeling slightly under the weather, and the worst part of that for him is that he really has no voice. So with that being kind of important for this show and for this industry, he's got the night off. No big deal. I can handle it. I've got some great guests lined up, as we often do on our Thursday shows. Today... I've got the Ellsworth head football coach, Josh Hamulka. He's going to sit down with us and preview his team's matchup with Garden Plain. They're playing in the first round of the two-way state football playoffs tomorrow. There are a number of high school football playoff games that start tonight. Other week nine games, non-playoff related games as well. But uh, lots going on in that realm. But we will uh, sit down with Josh Hamulka and talk about his team having an opportunity to win a home playoff game for the first time, I think, since 1988 or eight something crazy. He'll tell us for sure. I know he knows that number, but his team's trying to do something really cool, so we'll talk with him about it as we often do on Thursdays. Also on Thursdays, we always talk with Brian Haney, the voice of the Kansas Jayhawks. This week's a little weird because he doesn't have a football game. Jayhawks are on by. Basketball. Not quite here yet, but it's the perfect spot to talk a little bit about both. We're going to take some football, we're going to take some basketball, we're going to blend it all together and talk with Brian Haney in the uh, final segment of our show, as again we often do on Thursdays. But how I wanted to start today's show, some breaking news. Breaking news, the Kansas City Chiefs have made a trade ahead of the trade deadline. They made a move. We talked about it as a possibility earlier in the week on this show. Uh, James and I were thinking about defense as a Chiefs area of need, but Brett Veach and the Kansas City Chiefs have another offensive weapon. The New York Giants traded speedy wide receiver Kadarius Toney to the Kansas City Chiefs in exchange for a 2023 third-round compensatory pick and a 2023 sixth-round pick. That's according to NFL Network insider Tom Pellicero. Uh, He added also that uh, it is not a conditional third-round pick. It is is just the compensatory third-round pick. But Kadarius Toney is a bit of a stud. He's had some health issues recently, but... He was a first-round pick by the Giants in 2021, and he's seen his fair share of of frustrations. Uh, Again, limited time due to injuries. He's only played in 12 games because of an ongoing hamstring injury. But when he's been healthy, he has been fantastic. He has 41 catches for 420 yards in his career so far, and a large chunk of those numbers were achieved last season and in a a Week 5 game against the Cowboys where he caught 10 balls for 189 yards. Uh, But uh, that was really kind of where he burst onto the scene in that game with the Giants, a struggling team at, at that time, by the way. But he's got some big play ability, and he helps the Chiefs just become, again, 
well-rounded offensively. We saw on Sunday that the offense for the Kansas City Chiefs certainly is capable of putting up big numbers against great defenses. They put up a ton of points. They put up 43 points, 44 points, whatever it was, on the San Francisco 49ers. And the Chiefs had three different pass catchers with 98 or more receiving yards. Travis Kelsey had 98, and Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Juju Smith-Schuster both had over 100 yards receiving. So if you add another talented receiver to that group that's already been uh, proven to be well-rounded, versatile, all the things that last the last few seasons of the Chiefs offense hasn't been because it's been Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and really no one else for the most part, you add Kadarius Toney in there, if he's healthy and he's adding – you know, another layer to this passing attack, that's that's massive. Plus, you can add the special teams aspect in there. He has the speed to be a punt and kick return kind of guy. And it's no secret that uh, rookie wide receiver Sky Moore has struggled a little bit in that role. He, he muffed another one uh, over the weekend against San Francisco. And this would be a guy in Kadarius Tony who could add a little bit to that as well. So... It may not have been my first choice at the big move that needed to be made by the Chiefs, but it certainly is something that you should be excited about if you're a Kansas City Chiefs fan. Now, that said, doesn't mean that the Chiefs are done. The trade deadline is still about a week or so away, and uh, there's certainly nothing ruling out the fact that the Chiefs may need some help on defense, especially, I don't know, as an as a edge rusher or a linebacker, maybe a little help Cushioning that secondary really anywhere on the defense would be a big, big bonus if you can find the right guy for the right price. But, again, great addition. Gives him some some time to not only get a little healthier, but also get acclimated in the offense because it's the Chiefs' bye week. Kadarius Toney undoubtedly will be with the Chiefs in their facilities by, like, tomorrow. Probably early morning tomorrow. So he'll have plenty of time to start getting his feet wet and figured out Uh, Again, where his role is, what they're looking for with him in that Chiefs offense that, again, is already so explosive. But that's the big news for today, and there's plenty more uh, great stuff where that came from. Like I said, we've got Josh Homolka, Ellsworth head football coach, joining us really in just a matter of moments. Uh, We'll talk all things Bearcat football as they're, again, preparing for a playoff game tomorrow against Garden Plain. We've also got Brian Haney for a good bulk of the show today because there's always so much to talk about with the Kansas Jayhawks, but especially right now because we are about to emerge into overlap season or crossover season where the football games and the basketball games intersect and life gets crazy for folks in our industry, but Brian Haney certainly taking it in stride in what will be his only free weekend, really, until like May. So we'll catch up with him, talk some Jayhawk athletics. But again, we will take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk with Josh Hamolka about the Ellsworth Bearcat football team. That's coming up next here on In the Zone on 1150 KSAL and 106.7 FM. Welcome 
Welcome back to In the Zone here on Sports Radio 1150 KSAL. I am Jackson Schneider, joined now by the head football coach of the Ellsworth Bearcats, Josh Hamolka. Coach is on his way out to practice, and it is a playoff week. Finally, we've been working at this for two months or so now, and we, we finally get out there for the playoffs this week. I'm sure the energy has been amped up a notch or two at practice there, Coach. How, how's the team getting ready for, for this playoff task? Uh, we've had we've had some good practices this week. Um, they're pretty excited about you know having a home game for the playoffs. We haven't had one of those in a long time, so it's uh it's been exciting and just trying to keep everybody healthy. Well, I know you had a tough one last week with Southeast of T- Celine, and I, and I know uh, they're a really strong team. But take me through your thoughts about your team's performance in that one. Did did they maybe leave a little bit to be desired there, or are there some things that you'll want to have them clean up before Friday? Yeah, I think uh, I I think Southeast Lane did a really good job first and foremost, but I also think we didn't do a good job of converting first downs early. Uh, you know, and we had some open guys, and we hit some guys, um, and then some a couple penalties and things like that hurt us. And uh, if you don't get first downs against them and get a couple three and outs, like three, three and outs, like we did in a row and have to punt and give them a short field, that's going to be tough. And uh, the, the game plan was to uh, get first downs and grind it out. And we did not do that. Uh, like we've said in the past, uh, everybody had, like Mike Tyson said, everybody has a game plan to get punched in the face. And I think we got a little bit of that last week. So we're going to try to get back to, to ruining other people's game plans. Well, when you look at the challenge ahead, I mean, Garden Plains, not a team that we really see around these parts that often. And they come out of a really good district. They've played some good teams and are at four and four. So I would imagine you're, you're probably approaching them, uh, you know, like you're facing one of the best teams in the state as you, you might approach with everyone. But what are some of the, you know, the interesting challenges this Garden Plain team will, will present and how are you planning to, to punch them in the face? They, they do a good job of, uh, they're an option team. Uh, so you got a assignment sound type stuff on, on defense side of the ball. And then offensively, they're going to show you some different fronts between a three man and a four man front. So you have to have all your rules in check and, and know where people are lining up and, understand what we want to get done on offense because you know that's when you see both fronts uh and you got a young center like we have right now uh, a freshman starting at center he, it's just there's things you got to get checked and you got to be ready to go well the defense for you has been a really strong point I mean you go, go through the first five or six weeks of the season having given up really just 20 total points, but the last couple of weeks you've played some pretty good teams and uh, the the offenses you've faced off with have kind of gotten a little bit more than the previous several had. Is there anything that needs to be kind of shored up defensively, especially if you're going up against an option team? What are maybe the big points that you want to have fixed up for, for this week? I think in a couple of those games, you know, we gave up 19 against Halstead. I, we had a lot of young guys playing at some points in that, and Overall, our defense played really well uh, in every game. Uh, we did not play well last week, so that's kind of an outlier. But I also think we learned a lot from last week on speed and 
and getting lined up and things like that. So I think all that that last week game can do is serve us well. Well, this week, I mean, obviously it's playoffs, so it's just a little bit different in terms of the intensity and everything. And your team uh, didn't have this opportunity the last couple of seasons. So has it been kind of a different energy when you're looking at a playoff game rather than just the, you know, the week nine cross district? How's the approach been energy wise and focus wise from this group? It's been really good. I I don't, I wouldn't say it's any different than any other week that we've had. I actually, uh, folks wise probably been better. So we've been really ready to go. And, uh, if I, if my, I have some old records that I was handed down from the old, principal and old head coach if we can go out and be focused this would be the first playoff game we've won in in uh since 1988 i believe so if we can do that that'd be a big deal now my records could be off too so but we want to we want to that's what we want to do we wanted to go do something special so we want to get in the we want to win a game in the playoffs well it's certainly a really good opportunity to do that and again to do it you know, on your home field is also a really special thing. I'm sure that the the town of Ellsworth and the surrounding communities are all really pumped up. Have you, have you kind of felt that extra layer of support from from the town when you're you're getting oh. ready to do something that hadn't been done in quite a while there? Well, that's that's the worst part about last week. We had a lot of people all over uh, town uh, out to send the bus off, and then we had people all the way down Highway 40. All the way to, and then we had packed bleachers. Um, and, and to go out and not play our best last week, I think left a sour taste in a lot of the guys' mouths. So I, I think we're pretty focused to make sure we go out and give the fans what they want. Yeah, really fun uh, opportunity here again tomorrow as you host Garden Plain in the playoffs. And coach, uh, looking back at all your football. And the experiences that you've had, is there anything to you that kind of meets the the fun and, and the opportunity that is a high school playoff game? Because to me, you know, with what I do, it's one of the most fun atmospheres that you could be in. Have you experienced much like that? Are there anything that compares? Yeah. Uh, playoffs at any level. I've, I've been in the Division Two playoffs. I've been in the NAA playoffs. And uh, playoff – November football is fun no matter what level it is. So we're excited about the opportunity to do it. So uh, it's just that, you know, it's a, just a little different feel. You practice maybe a little bit different. You're a little more focused. And, um, you know, any any game could be your last. So it, it's an exciting time. Yeah, very, very, very exciting as it always is when we get to this point in the year. But, uh, again, we're joined by Josh Hamolka, head football coach of the Ellsworth Bearcats. Coach, before I let you go, uh, could you just give me, you know, the one or two biggest keys to coming up with a playoff win tomorrow night? Uh, the main key on defense is being keyed up on uh, option and uh, everybody knowing their assignment. And then offensively, we got to be – we got to identify fronts. That'll be the biggest thing, uh, making sure – our old guys will do a good job of making sure everybody's on the same page. All right. Well, Coach, I appreciate the time as always, especially in you fitting me in as you head on out to practice. Have a good practice and good luck tomorrow. We'll be rooting for you. All right. I appreciate it. Thank you.
Awesome stuff. That's Josh Amolka, head football coach of the Ellsworth Bearcats, joins us here each week on the show thanks to the Ellsworth and Pride Convenience Store. Uh, we'll take a quick time out here on In the Zone, and we will be back with more right after this. Zone here on Sports Radio 1150 KSAL. We're joined now by the voice of the Kansas Jayhawks, Brian Haney. He joins us each week on the show, thanks to the great folks at Nimnik True Value Hardware in Ellsworth. Brian, it's a bye week. Basketball isn't quite here yet. Have you gotten a chance to relax? That's the first question I got. <laughs> Maybe on Saturday. It's been a busy weekend set for basketball. We've had a lot of uh, basketball-involved events and doing some stuff behind the scenes to get the broadcast ready for our first game versus Pittsburgh State, an exhibition game next Thursday. But, uh, yeah, I'll I'll catch my breath this weekend for sure. But uh, definitely excited as we ramp up our busiest month of the year. November is what we call crossover season, and and the two sports overlap. And I think uh, if you look at all the Hawk Talk nights and the travel days and all that, 28 of the 30 nights we got something going this next month so bracing for the uh the the big month it is and it'll be a lot of fun in that month hopefully we'll be talking about KU football finally getting bowl eligibility squared away and then KU basketball gets to go to the Champions Classic and Atlantis so a lot to be excited about there yeah certainly I mean let's let's start with football and and talk about this last weekend before we start looking ahead too far but I was really impressed with the second half and I know the first half against Baylor was a little bit disappointing because it kind of get ran all over to begin but a lot of teams might have just folded at halftime when you're facing a deficit like that but Kansas comes fighting all the way back they get to within what five and have an opportunity to get even closer and uh, just didn't quite have enough to to get over the hump there but I, I feel like that second half in its own is a statement of how far this team has come in two years now under Lance Leipold. Yeah, it's really well said. I completely agree. I think we've had plenty of trips to Waco in 11 all-time losses there that, you know, if the first half went that way and you were down four scores, you were going to wind up losing by eight scores. And it was a long, long day that was over early. So to see the way we battled back and scored 20 unanswered points at one point, to uh, really make them sweat down the stretch, uh, I thought it was a great testament to the fight, the toughness, and resolve on this team. And that's a big sign of the culture change that's been going on the last 18 months and certainly a sign of what we hope are, are things to come with KU football. So um, it's definitely frustrating to, to miss two opportunities in, in winnable road venues this year. The previous years, you would not have considered Norman and Waco winnable. And we'll probably look back on this fortnight and say, man, Jalen Daniels' injury came at a really bad time because those were golden opportunities. But having said that, give credit where it's due. I mean, Baylor got a quarterback back and, and, and looked to the part of a, of a top 25 caliber team. I don't think that they're as good as the number nine overall ranking they had back in September, but that's still a really good team with, with four All-Americans in the trenches. And, and that showed itself to be true with the way the game was played up front for the bulk of the night. So, um, pleased though that we made a game out of it. I'm glad Jason Bean was able to rally back and have a much more productive second half. It was obviously a, a tough start to the game with the way Baylor was dominating up front for the running backs, for the quarterback, for everybody. And he was without Luke Grimm 
his best possession receiver. So uh, they found ways eventually to get rolling. The, the big sack strip fumble recovery by Jeremy Robinson completely turned the game around, and that's a great example of a club still fighting, even though it looked like they were on life support at the time. So you made a great observation there, and I just hope it's, it's those type of you know, progress checkpoints of, of the way you compete, the way you don't give up, as cliche and coach speak as that sounds, those are the types of things that get you through the doldrums of a long season where maybe you are going through you know, a rough stretch without some key pieces to see the other guys still pull on the rope as hard as they can to try to tug this thing into the winner's circle shows me uh, that we have changed a lot as a program and, and a team. And hopefully as you get some of these guys back on the other side of the bye week, and I expect a lot of them to come back for Oklahoma State, uh, hopefully you see a much different looking Kansas team and they find a way to win at least one more in the month of November. Brian, back in July, when we were at Big 12 football media days, you and I sat down and we kind of previewed the season and talked about the progress that we were optimistic that we'd see. And I don't think you or I had predicted at that point that Kansas would win five games to start the season and be on the cusp of a bowl game right away. Uh, but we talked a lot about, you know, not not always having to win, but showing progress and not getting, uh, you know, blown out, right? Is this the kind of progress that we had hoped to see, like, initially? Because to me, this is the kind of game that I would have loved to see all season long from Kansas, wins and losses, completely irrelevant I just wanted to see them taking steps to where that you know they may get punched in the mouth like that in a game to start but then continue to fight and make again make a game out of it so the wins that came maybe a little bit ahead of schedule for my prediction is one thing but having the the team you know when a game doesn't go their way you're looking at a scoreboard at the end of the last couple of weeks and saying those are games that we had a chance to win. And that that's, to me, that's all it, I feel like a Kansas fan could have hoped for at the start of the season. Now I know it's a little different because you want a bowl game, but to me, this team has, has more than delivered on what I think a lot of people were just hoping to see back in July. Yeah, that's that's really well said. Although we got to check your memory, and you're the younger one. You're supposed to be sharp on these things. I told you. They're going to race out the gate at 5-0, and be ranked for the first time since 09. They're going to get ESPN game day in town for the TCU game, and they're probably going to get eh, roughly 2.3 million viewers for that, which will be the largest ESPN game day viewing for a pre-November show since 2010. Don't you remember me talking about that very specifically in July? You know, I, I don't, but I think we have it recorded. I may have to go back and search. <laughs> yeah, you know, don't, don't waste any time on that. Just trust me, it's there. I, I said all that. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But, you know, I think I told you, I, I can play it back in my own mind, that I thought that this would be a team that would exceed those Vegas expectations of, of two and a half wins in the over-under. I thought they'd win absolutely four with a chance at five over the course of the year and, and that they would be competitive every week with maybe one exception. And because and, and, usually there is one exception. Last year it was Stillwater. Um, you know, this year we'll see. But um, I felt like you'd be in every game, and that would be the mark of a Kansas team making progress. That you know they'd win a couple in non-con, they'd find a way to eke out a couple in the Big Twelve. But every week you knew they were coming. To see Kansas, as you said, operate ahead of schedule in the win column and get those five wins right out the gate, it changed everybody's uh, you know expectation of this team. The fans, the competition, looking at us, took us more seriously, and. 
You have a lot more respect for what's going on here. And in some regards, that makes it harder, you know, to get over that hump finally. You don't catch anybody sleeping anymore. But uh, I, I think definitely, you know, this is a club that um, even though we did kind of readjust our expectations when you're undefeated through September, they're going to go through a lull as any team would in a conference this good where the schedule gets a lot tougher in the back half. But then when you lose your quarterback, who was a Heisman Trophy candidate, your top running back, your top cover corner in three straight weeks, that's a tough hand to be dealt. Uh, any team's going to take a step back in that regard. But as you pointed out, they're still competing and they're still showing a lot of fight and putting a scare into some of these teams that, you know, had you told me in August when we talked or July, whenever it was, that, you know, we'd lose our quarterback and running back and still go into Norman and Waco and have that be, you know, largely one possession games. And in, in the case of Oklahoma, we lose by 10. But in the case of Baylor, it's, it's a five-point game with seven minutes to go. You know, if you would have told me that, down some of the key pieces that uh, had become household names prior to their injuries, I probably wouldn't have believed it back in July. But that's how far this club has come. And it's definitely exciting to think what – they could still accomplish in the last month as they get some of these pieces back. And even if they just go one and three in their remaining four games, that one would be the biggest one as it would obviously get them in a bowl game for the first time since 2008. And, you know, I, I think this club every week, you know, feels like they're right on the precipice of doing that. So hopefully Oklahoma state's the day. I don't know for sure on Daniel's status yet, but it was encouraging to see him back in uniform, at least on the sideline last week. And he's definitely, talk about ahead of schedule on wins he's ahead of schedule in recovery and that has a lot to do with you know his positive attitude the work he's putting in and in, in pt uh, in terms of physical therapy and, and and rehabbing that thing and then you know the fact that, that we've got a, a great strength team that's given him every chance to keep that window open when you know others initially might have thought he didn't have a chance to come back so he will bring so much to this team once he returns because he just has that natural charisma and it factor leadership that doesn't grow on trees, man. You, you see that once a generation, and he's got it. So I'm, I'm excited that his return could be coming soon. Uh, and, and if not for Oklahoma State, hopefully soon thereafter, guys I do expect to be back for Oklahoma State would include Luke Graham and hopefully Kobe Bryant. So, so we'll see. But the bye week, most definitely Jackson came at a great time. And had you told me back in July when we talked that at the bye we'd be 5-3, and three, man, I would have run to the bank and cashed that in immediately. So we're, we're pretty happy to be where we're at, even though it's on the heels of three straight defeats. Well, I swear you read my mind, because my, my next question was, you know, the timing of the bye week. And I know the injury situation hasn't been ideal, as it often really never is when those things popped up. But to get a, a week between now and Oklahoma State to just get get right and get guys a little bit closer to healthy, that has to help when you mention needing just one win in these last four games to give Kansas that bull bid. I mean, to me, it's a, you couldn't ask for better timing because Jalen Daniels, especially with him suiting up, that has to make people a lot more optimistic. But does is there a feel that this buy was just what the doctor ordered? Terrible pun intended. Yeah, yeah, no, it it does fit the pun and the and the bye week, and to think that their other option was to play West Virginia this week and have the bye week in week two. Obviously, th- this worked out much much better. You don't need a bye week in week two. You don't need an extra week of practice. You need to go play somebody else, and and so they made the right call there. I, I think if anything, 
if they could have had the bye week a little bit more smack dab in the middle of the season, they would have taken that in a heartbeat, but that's not the hand they were dealt in league scheduling. So, um, you know, they, they've clearly benefited in, in terms of the guys that had day-to-day injuries. Some of the guys that are more week-to-week, one bye week doesn't cure everything, but uh, I think I think we've got some guys that are inching really close. So, like I said, Luke, Kobe, I, I really, you know, I'm optimistic on their chances, and we'll see what Coach says next week on Jalen. But he's definitely uh, farther along than we thought he would have been. And, and like I said, just his presence, it, it just, you know, they talk about a rising tide raises all ships. He's a natural rising tide. His, his infectious smile, his, his confidence, it's not a cocky swagger, but it's, it's a belief that all the guys rally behind. And I think Jason Bean does some amazing things for us. And there's things Jason can do that Jalen can't. Jason's the fastest quarterback we've had since Nolan Cromwell at KU. But there's also just some intangibles that we've been missing without Jalen on the field. And that's why I think we're so excited to get him back. He's just got that natural, charismatic leadership that when you're going through adversity at other spots, you turn to that guy's voice and face in the huddle, and you kind of have that that reassurance that everything's going to be all right and we got this. And, and uh, you know, not everybody can bring that. And that's not meant to be constructively critical of Jason at all. I'm just speaking to how truly special it is with Jalen. And that's why we're optimistic that he's got several games left in him in, in 2022. And, and hopefully one of those remaining games for Jalen Daniels will be in December in a bowl game. Well, Brian, I do want to talk some basketball with you. But before we talk about men's basketball, I wanted to talk just briefly about a new member of your team who's going to handle women's basketball because Stephen Davis was announced the new voice of Kansas women's basketball. And I I just thought that that was a really cool hire for Kansas athletics, especially for Kansas basketball fans because of uh, obviously the Davis family and just that whole connection in general. I was just curious if you had any thoughts on, on what Steven brings to your squad. Well, he'll do a great job for us. He's a terrific announcer that uh, does all the, the double A games for the, the Northwest Arkansas team and has done that for years. And uh, I, I think he's really gifted when it comes to the depictions and descriptions, particularly in baseball. He's kind of got that classic baseball delivery, but his basketball calls are great too. And I think fans will, see that on an emerging ascending KU women's basketball team that had a great announcer in Jimmy Chavez for the last seven years, but uh, we'll, we'll have another great one. And Steven, as, as they try to take the next step into being perennial NCAA tournament competitors and, and big 12 title contenders. And so new voice for an emerging new era with, with Brandon Schneider kind of taking this to a whole nother level. And so it comes at a good time and he'll do a great job. And obviously his dad's a, a living legend that uh, is about as good as you'll find ever and they call in the game. So we're definitely glad to have uh, more of a Davis family effect uh, in, in what we have in our roster of, of announcers. And you look at Brandon McAnderson on the sidelines and David Lawrence up in the booth with 40 years experience. And of course, Greg Gurley's brilliant color analysis for basketball, Sean Kellerman on the pre and post games. We, we got a lot of really talented dudes and I'm glad we can add another one to the mix. Absolutely. Well, you you and um, Greg get started here what in just about a week or so for the yeah, first for game. So that's coming up here pretty quick. What goes into preparation for you for that crossover season that gets really crazy? Well, uh, it's it's a busy time. I think I have two open nights the entire month of November. If you add in the 
hot talks for two sports, the travel days and the, the speaking engagements that we do to kind of tip off the season around the state. And so it's, it's a busy time, but it's an exciting time. And obviously you're studying up on the roster, you're going to practice, you're doing stuff like that. But there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff too, that people don't realize that, that we oversee the stuff you hear on the, the bells and whistles of a broadcast, the billboards at the top, the, the liners coming back, stuff like that. People ask, they assume in the bye week, we're just kind of putting our feet up and not doing anything, but it's been a, a full <laughs> speed ahead uh, basketball preseason production week for us. And we're excited about how all that's coming together. And it's nice when you're putting together these promos and these uh, billboards and, and you're using the final call of a national championship and, and you're having your voice guy. And, and by that, I mean the, the person that does all the voice work, like coming up on the Jayhawk network, you know, that, that kind of guy, <laughs> like the, the movie trailer guy in a race against time. These are dudes that you send copy to and they probably sit in their basement in their boxers and they pound these things out for a hundred stations across the state or across the, uh, the country. That is, it's nice to have to send our voice guy updated copy that changes the number of national championships, final fours and conference championships. The guy that doesn't for us, his, his name's Jeff. And it's, it's nice to say, Hey Jeff, uh, we actually do have changes this year uh, on every single line, national title, <laughs> conference title, final four. That's, that's a nice problem to have. And those, those brand new shiner, shiny bells and whistles that you'll hear at the top of the broadcast next Thursday will include even more tradition and even more, you know, ballyhooped and hyped, uh, you know, accomplishment for Kansas basketball because it truly was an incredible banner year. And speaking of which, the book banner year comes out Monday. So I think we alluded All to right. that briefly on a previous episode, but that's the uh, official collector's edition commemorative championship book that I wrote with the, the foreword of Bill Self and the afterword of David McCormick. And it's a coffee table book with a lot of cool pictures and rhythmic narration of the entire season, insightful uh, quotes from all the players uh, about what it meant to be a part of this team. And so uh, banner year, as we turn the page to a new year, uh, we celebrate the banner year that was on Monday with that book release. And you can get your own copy reserved now. There's only 10,000 in this special edition championship run you can reserve it at kubanneryear.com kubanneryear.com so i know coach wants us to turn the page and it's time to now that the banner's been unfurled to to look ahead to what lies in front of us but that's a team we'll talk about for generations and, and a season we'll celebrate for a long time and this particular book is a great way to do both now as we turn the page to this next season, there's been a lot of buzz about another super secret scrimmage that Kansas took place, uh, or took that took place for Kansas uh, with Illinois not too long ago. Brian, I'm curious if you've heard many rumblings about what happened, but behind those closed doors, who looked good, who's looked good in practice? Is there anybody that we need to keep an eye out for before the season starts, or, or when the season starts? Yeah, I don't have much for you on the, the secret scrimmage because technically even if I was there and I wasn't because we were in Waco, but if I was, we weren't, we weren't allowed to talk about it. But, uh, you know, I, I understand that that was more uh, situations and and not like a full-blown 40-minute scrimmage. Like they put X amount of minutes on the clock and say this is the scenario, now go play it out. Uh, but, yeah, two teams that are both, you know, mixing in a lot of new pieces and, and on a similar level, and so – made sense to get together um, and, and we'll see, 
you know, Kansas continue to do that. That's kind of a new invoke thing. You do one of those and then one exhibition game as opposed to what used to be two exhibition games. Um, but I, I think that uh, in terms of the scuttlebutt I'm hearing or, or what I might see at practice, I, I think the, the realistic way to describe it is they're super, super talented, but there's going to be some growing pains when you mix in this many new guys most of which are young guys. Kevin McCuller is an immediate plug-and-play, all-Big 12 conference forward that can play the one through the four, is awesome defender. He's, he's the prototypical Bill Self fit because he's such a good defensive player. He's very heady, good leader, says and does all the right things. He's got experience. You can put him in the category of Jalen Wilson and DeWan Harris in terms of game-ready. They've played on, on the biggest stages. They, they know – you know, what it takes to, to defend this title. Everybody else is either stepping into a much different, much bigger role or their brand stinking new. And I think that, you know, with that comes a lot of excitement with these shiny new weapons that self has to deploy. But there's also going to be some, I think, patience required by the fans when you talk about guys that from one week to the next, you know, like our front court, for example, it could be Ernest Uday Jr. dominating in practice three straight days, and then he goes into a little bit of a funk, and Zuby Ejiofor looks like the best big. Or it could be Zach Clements on a given day. I think replacing David McCormick is going to be way tougher than people realize because he had a myriad of post moves and was a pretty reliable jump hook finisher. These two freshman bigs coming in eventually are going to have that, but right now they're more lob catcher, rim runner types. Uh, that you throw it up and they go get it. You know, it's, it's not a sure thing, as Bill Self said on media day, where if you run good offense and you get the ball into the post in the spot you want to score at, it's no sure thing you're going to turn around and get that hoop. Whereas it was pretty close to that with David. I know fans will argue that, but the point <laughs> is he, he, was, he was very good at, at those jump hooks. Just yeah. ask Brady Manick about it, right? Absolutely. And, and uh, you know, these two freshman bigs eventually are going to be that, but they're 18 years old. You know, they were in high school six months ago. And so I, I think that, you know, the, the scuttlebutt I'm hearing is, yeah, Grady Dick looks great. You know, his, his release point on his jump shot above his head at 6'8", Brandon Rush and Mario Chalmers said last week, that's unguardable. That's, that's unlike anything we've seen from a freshman. And that's really exciting. But he's still a freshman that's got a lot to learn from Bill Self on what's expected, commanded, and demanded defensively. And so, you know, it's going to be ups and downs for him too. I think MJ Rice is a little bit behind Grady from what it sounds like and listening to Coach talk about his progress. He's still settling in and becoming what he's going to be. And then you've got a, a myriad of, of second-year guys like KJ and Bobby and Zach that you all hope take that next step. Joe Yesifu you hope takes that next step. But really, time's going to tell because it's one thing to do it in a scrimmage. It's another to do it in an actual game when you've got Duke coming up and Indiana coming up and, and the battle for Atlantis coming up. And So I, I just think that uh, there's a lot to look forward to. It's a really intriguing preseason because there's all these new pieces you're wondering how they're going to fit and who's going to emerge. But the truth of the matter is, Jackson, they're going to look nothing like they, like they will in November come February. And that's a good thing because Self's going to get these guys to grow up and round in the form and it's going to be great. But ex- expect a lump or two to be taken early in the season when you play a schedule this tough and you have this much new talent to mix in. And that's just being realistic about it. But you think about all the great teams that Self has had in 20 years here you know, there have been some reloading times where, you know, a young Mario Chalmers, Brandon Rush, and Julian Wright 
took a took a knot on the head early out in the Maui Invitational, or, or you know stuff like that where you, you only remember what it looked like as a finished product, and, and we quickly forget that there were some you know rocky waters early when they were just you know 18 years old and, and fresh to campus and all that, and so that's kind of the types of stuff that we need to keep in mind with such a young and, and ever changing KU basketball team. Well, Brian, we're running out of time, so I'm going to let you go ahead and take the reins because, again, you always get to come on our show. Thanks to some great folks, friends of the program over in Ellsworth. Does Nimnik True Value Hardware have any specials going on? They always do. You don't have to ask that. You just go in and ask Sean. and He'll point you in the direction of something great every single day because they've got something to, uh, to check out and take advantage of it. Nimnik True Value Hardware, the best selection, the best customer service. They'll walk you through whatever it is you're working on this weekend. I got a bye week, so it's a lot of uh, do-it-yourself fix-ups around the house, trying to get my my home in order before the busyness of crossover season hits next month. And so you head on down to to Ellsworth and Nimic True Value Hardware and do what I do, and they'll get you all set up and ready to rock and roll with whatever it is you're working on. Check them out today. Great people, fantastically locally-owned business there. Nimnik True Value Hardware in Ellsworth. Thanks, Jackson. All right. Thanks, Brian. Again, Brian Haney joins us each week. Thanks to Nimnik True Value Hardware in Ellsworth. That's going to wrap up our show for today. We'll be back tomorrow with our playoff edition football Friday show as high school football playoffs kick off. But until then, for Brian Haney, I am Jackson Schneider. We'll see you tomorrow on In the Zone. Hey, 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 hey.